0: Shalom! Man, it is such a joy to be here with you all. And man, I just love the community and love the worship this morning. Such a powerful time of in his presence. And it's a joy to be with you all. And uh, I'm excited to be here. Talked about it for a while. Glad it finally happened in God's time. And uh, since it's our first time being here with you, we get to visit a little bit, I thought I'd share with you a little bit about my story, my journey. Uh, I grew up in the Holy Land, New Jersey, where there were more Jews than in Jerusalem. Grew up going to Hebrew school as a child, lost most of my family in the Holocaust, so being Jewish was really important. At the age of thirteen, became a son of the commandments. I had my bar mitzvah, and you know, young spiritual adult in the eyes of the Jewish community. Got really into basketball. Wound up getting kicked off the basketball team in high school because the varsity football coach was the JV basketball coach, and he wanted me to play football. My parents weren't having it, and uh, so and I and I my focus was on basketball. So. Then as a result of that, I wound up hanging out with some interesting people with the high school DJ and drug dealer and uh, infinite wisdom of youth, wound up becoming a hip hop DJ and wound up working in one of the largest recording studios in New York City, working with a lot of famous people in the music industry. And as I looked at the lives of these famous people all around me, I said to myself, there has to be more to life than just this. They had everything that I thought I could ever want. And I just saw their relationships and doing drugs in front of their children. And I was just like, there there has to be more. And that led me on this spiritual journey, started to study with uh, my rabbi And in the traditional synagogue that I grew up with, but I really wanted a connection, an encounter with God. So I started to do martial arts, and through martial arts, got into uh, yoga and Eastern philosophy, and I'd meditate for hours a day. And one day I was meditating, and the next thing I knew, my body began to vibrate. It, It left my body I could see my body sitting there, and I was going through the roof. And the next thing I know, I was in heaven, and I saw this King Rambanissa high and lifted up in this glorious light. And I felt the power of God pulsating through every cell of my body. It's like nothing I could ever, I could even, even begin to explain to you. All I can tell you is, I understood now what it means. Better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. <laughs> Because, you know, just you, the, 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 the sense of joy and connection and euphoria and power that emanates from the Lord that went right into me and right through me. And I, I didn't know anything about Jesus, but I knew this king sitting on the throne was Yeshua and uh, he told me I was called to serve him. And the next thing I know, I was back down in my body, running around, going, I'm called to serve him. My mom's like, you're called to serve him. We're Jewish for crying out loud. What are you talking about? And I knew nothing about Jesus, right? I mean, because I grew up, you know, in New Jersey. We, there were Jews and Catholics. And, you know, I thought Jesus was a nice Jewish boy who converted to Catholicism because I didn't know any kids by the name of Jesus who had mothers by the name of Mary. And just like, uh, I thought they were the Christ family. Like, uh, like we're the Sobels, Mr. and Mrs. Christ, Mr. and Mrs. Sobel. I didn't even know that Christ was the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, Mashiach, anointed one, totally clueless. And, and I thought Jesus was, you know, some sort of avatar, prophet guy, no context for him. But my best friend John comes to faith, and he calls me on the telephone. He says, Jason, I found the truth. I'm like, what's the truth? I'm looking for it. He says, listen, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, but in the end times, there's going to be this beast with all these heads that are going to eat people who don't believe. <laughs> I said, bro, I don't know what they put in your hookah. (laughs) Not for me. I'm coming out of an ashram in New York City where I'm doing yoga. And I walk out the front door and this woman approaches me. And I'm wearing this t-shirt on the front that says truth. And she says, do you think the truth is clear, deep and absolute? And it grabbed my attention because that's what the back of my shirt said, but she could only see the front of my shirt because I literally just walked outside the door. The next thing I know, it's like time and sound dissolve, and I'm fixated on this woman and her piercing blue eyes, and she begins to share the gospel with me that Jesus is the Messiah, and the next thing I know, I am snap out of it and she's gone. Then I used to help homeless people in New York City and I doing a number of different things and I realized I'd given my last subway token away and so on my way home, so I prayed and the next thing I knew, a hand pushed me and when I opened my eyes, I was standing on the other side of the subway. It's turnstile. So I was like, okay, there's something about this this, this Jesus dude. I'm trying to figure it out. My friend John started to attend a Messianic congregation, got a little wisdom on how to share with a Jewish person. He called me on the phone. He said, Jason... Let me ask you a question. He goes, you went to Hebrew school. Do you think you could tell the difference between the the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament? I said, sure. He read me this passage about the crucifixion. He said, old or new? I said, obviously that's the New Testament. He said, let me read you another passage. He was bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities by his stripes were healed. He said, old or new? I said, obviously that's Jesus. It's the New Testament. He said, no, that's Isaiah 53, the Jewish prophet speaking 7. 700 years before he walked the face of the earth. And I began to be provoked to jealousy because here's my friend, he's not Jewish, he knew more about the promises of the Messiah than I did. So I agreed to go with him to this messianic congregation, it's a Friday night, it's the beginning of Shabbat. The Sabbath for the Jewish, Jewish Sabbath, the biblical Sabbath. They dim the lights and play the piano at the end of the service. And they begin to pray. I figured I needed all the help I could get. So I prayed. They said, if you prayed this prayer for the first time, raise your hand. So I raised my hand. I said, if you raise your hand, will you please stand up? You've just been born again. And I said, I have no idea what it means to be born again. I gave my mother enough trouble and I was born once. God only knows what's going to happen if I get born again. And I heard about these born-again people, and I've seen the big hair, televangelist type of people, not for me, liberal Jewish family from New Jersey, not going to do this, I thought I was safe because they promised no one was looking, personal decision. The guy says, the rabbi says, listen, I saw you raise your hand. If you can't stand here for the Messiah, you won't be able to stand for him in the world. And I realize we're not going anywhere until I stand up. <laughs> now, you might be familiar with him. Some of you, his name is Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. So I stand up they give me the first Brit Hadashah, the first new covenant I'd ever seen first new testament I'd ever seen it's a Jerusalem prophecy new covenant edition and I, I'm in the car driving home my friend John's like oh my goodness I'm so happy I can't believe it. I've been praying for you, and I've been praying to lead one Jewish person to the Messiah, and I've been praying for you, but I never thought in a million years it could ever be you, and I didn't know what I was more offended by, that he was praying behind my back, or I thought there was no hope for me. I don't want to tell him I had no idea what just happened. Go home, hid the Bible in my bedroom, Like, in my home, this would be worse than pornography. Um, I should have learned the the lesson. I I turned 20 at the time. You can't hide anything from your moms. Moms have that special gift to find everything out. Mother's intuition, right? So she finds the Bible hidden in my bedroom. Don't tell me you become one of those Jews who believe in Jesus. I always knew you'd do something like this one day and break my heart. You've joined a cult. You've got to go meet with the rabbi. Well, in the meantime, what had happened is I had read the New Testament for the first time, was blown away how Jewish it was, all of the messianic prophecies, how Jesus celebrated the Jewish holidays, how he came in fulfillment of all these things, and what was even... But the final thing that really impacted me was that What the Lord said to me and that encounter in heaven was a verse from the New Testament, which I had never read before. And I was like, okay, he's the one Moses and the prophet spoke of. So before I go in between this time of having this realization and having to go meet with the rabbi, get a call from a homeless friend in New York City. And he says, that's back in the day when you had landlines and collect calls. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think my kids would know what a... Anyway. (laughs) Calls me on the phone. Jason, I was sleeping outside in Chinatown. It's the winter. I got frostbite. I have gangrene from the knees down, and the doctors tell me they're going to have to amputate both of my legs. I'm really scared. Can you come see me? I'm in NYU Medical Center. It's hard enough being homeless, being homeless and having no legs would be really bad I go to the hospital I just read the gospels just read the book of Acts I believe God still does what he did then so I go and I lay my hands on him I say silver and gold have I numbed what I have I give him the name of Yeshua Jesus rise get up you're going to walk and God healed him he came to faith And he walked out of the hospital a week later. God is so good, right? God is so good. Then I met with the rabbi. It's a whole other story. No, No chance after that. Go to Bible college, Messianic Studies program, go to graduate school, you know, we don't study the supernatural in any of these places. And so, you know, either people didn't be- I never stopped believing, but I never operated in it fully. Then I get an opportunity for what I think is my dream job to move to California to open up a Messianic Institute. Owners of a very large retail store that you would know about gave this large gift for us to come out there and start it. Gave it to our friends and they invited us to come lead it. And so we go out there and do this, and all of a sudden what happens is I get invited to this conference on healing, and because of what happened, obviously I had an interest in this. So I go to this conference on healing, and during one of the breaks, uh, a friend of mine who helped organize it went up to one of the speakers and asked him to pray for me, a blessing over me. And this guy prays over me this blessing. You will wear many mantles like Joseph. Uh, maybe some of you are familiar with him. His name is Bill Johnson. Bill <laughs> Johnson. We're in this meeting and God speaks to me about this move of God that's coming. And it's not rooted in fear, it's rooted in love. And it's word and spirit, it's Jew and Gentile coming together. God spoke to me, he says, don't settle for a form of godliness that lacks power. You'll never impact the world. And he spoke to me from this verse, Matthew 13 52. What can a scribe who understands the kingdom of God be compared to, like a householder that brings forth treasures new and old? And I realized that so many people have settled for half an inheritance. Jews have settled for the old, Christians have settled for the new, many of them, but the fullness of the old and the new, Gentile and Jew, word and spirit, creative and traditional, rich and poor, coming together, this is the kingdom and this is what we need to see. And so God gives, you know, God lays this upon my heart. In the midst of this, God also gives me, speaks to me, he says, Jason, I'm going to take you through a season of Joseph. Not exactly what you want to (laughs) hear. Yeah, there's going to be this revival, but and over a number of years, God took me through the season of Joseph, stripping me, pits, prisons, all this stuff, and preparing me ultimately to to launch this ministry uh, called uh, Fusion and uh, Meet Miriam, and uh, to be here with you today, there's a little video about what we do. was birthed out of the belief that the greatest catch the world has ever seen is about to come. But to see that catch, I believe we have to prepare the nets for revival. Shalom, I'm Rabbi Jason Sobel. And God spoke to me about this from John 21. The disciples were fishing all night. They caught nothing. And he told the disciples to cast the net again on the right side of the boat, and this giant catch came in. Friends, we have to understand in Jewish thought, the right side is associated with the Hebrew Scriptures, the Torah, the Word of God. When we bring together the Old Testament and the New Testament, we strengthen the nets. We see the Bible in HD, and we prepare for the great catch that is coming among Israel and the nations but also the net is only as strong as the knots, the network of relationships that God is bringing together at this time and at this hour. And I believe not only is the word of God old and new and understanding of that important, not settling for half inheritance, but the coming together of Jew and Gentile in Messiah, unified in this moment is key to the great catch, the great move of God that's about to come. We are so excited. That is what we are laboring for, I want to invite you to be part of the tribe at Fusion Global and join me on the journey. So that's what our Fusion is about, and uh, that's part of our passion. We do that in a number of ways before we get into a message. Wrote a book with Kathy Lee Gifford called The Rock, the Road, and the Rabbi, and uh, we have our new one coming out in August called The God of the Way. Super excited about that. And uh, we have a number of other books and resources that to equip people to see how the old and the new uh, connect together. We take people to Israel on Rock Road Rabbi Tours. We have one going this fall. If you've never been, join us. Uh, Also, we have uh, weekly teachings on our website, Fusion Global. You can sign up, free teachings that we send out, uh, written, video, all sorts of stuff to help resource you to see these connections between the old and the new. One of the things we do, Spiritual Advisor on the Chosen TV series. Maybe some of you have seen that. We've been part of that since the beginning. So doing all these different things that we are uh, excited about because uh, part of our passion is that You know, we believe that we want people not to settle for half-inheritance. an And we believe that uh, we want people to have a road to Emmaus experience, right? The disciples were on the road, and they were dejected and discouraged. And then Jesus, Yeshua opens the scriptures and shows how everything in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, pointed to him. And he said they said that not our hearts burn within us. When we receive that revelation of the connection, there is a burning in our hearts and it brings us a deeper passion for God and for his word and for Yeshua Jesus. And, you know, part of that is one year I went out right before the Super Bowl and I brought a high definition television and everyone's like, it's going to change the way you watch the game. Well, I watched the entire game like this, this, that great. I don't know what everyone's talking about. And then I had a revelation. I had watched the whole game in standard definition because I didn't realize there was a difference between the low channels and the high channels. (laughs) Well, I feel like so many people are watching the Bible in standard definition. And God wants us to see it in high definition. So, Abba Father, we just want to thank you for today. We want to thank you for the opportunity to come before you in worship. I want to thank you for Pastor Jeff and Pastor Becky and for this house and for what you're doing here and for the worship that is emanating from this place. I thank you, God, that this is part of that net of revival that you are created Bringing the presence-driven worship and pursuit of you here to Nashville, and I thank you, God, that you are preparing this house for the nets, for the, the nets to increase here, for the greater catch that is coming, for the filling that is coming, for the overflow that is coming. And we just want to thank you that this year and this decade is a season of breakthrough on the Hebrew calendar. And we're asking God that you would prepare our hearts for what. What it is that you want to do in this season. Open our eyes that we might see the wonders of your word, and we say, Bona come Holy Spirit now, in the name of your Son, Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. All right. So friends, listen, I believe that Part of not settling for half an inheritance, God has a fuller inheritance for you and I. And part of receiving that fuller inheritance is understanding what it means to to understand what it means to live with the times and the seasons. As it says, the sons of Issachar understood the times and they knew what to do. And I believe that part of understanding the times is that God is wanting to restore to the body of Messiah the Hebraic understanding of the scriptures and the Hebraic understanding of times and seasons. And part of understanding times and seasons is understanding numbers and this, we'll see that in a second, because right now on the Hebrew calendar, we are in a decade of breakthrough and overflow. How many of you like some breakthrough and overflow in your life? The Lord wants to give you supernatural strength to break through. And on the calendar, this is the decade of the 80s. Now, let me explain. In the Bible, there are no Roman numerals. You write letter. you write numbers with letters. So if I want to tell you, open your Bible to chapter 1, I'd say open your Bible to to Perik Aleph, okay? Chapter 1, verse 1, right? Reason why we say Aleph is because Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and therefore has a numerical value of 1. So you'd write, the instead of verse 1, 1, you'd write the two Hebrew letters, Aleph, Aleph. And so on the Hebrew calendar, this is the decade of the 80th, 80s, And the way that you write 80 in Hebrew is with the letter pay. Say pay. pay. Pay has a numerical value of 80. And what we need to understand is that the pay is the letter of redemption and breakthrough. So this is a decade that God wants to bring about redemption and breakthrough in our life. In fact, the word for redemption in Hebrew is pijon. Which means, which begins with the Hebrew letter peh. The word for breakthrough in Hebrew, paratz, begins with the letter peh, as we read. So David went up to Baal Peretzim, and there he defeated the Philistines, and he said, The Lord has broken through, which is paratz in Hebrew, broken through. My enemies like a flood. So we named the place Baal Peretzim the Lord of or the master of the breakthrough. And so what we need to understand is that every aspect of Israel's breakthrough is connected to the letter pay and the coming out of Egypt and the redemption that our ancestors experienced is all connected to the letter pay and the number 80. So for example, think about it for a moment. Who was the bad guy in the Exodus story? You've all seen the Prince of Egypt, right? So you know. (laughs) Some of you might be a little older, so it might have been like Charlton Heston. But we won't ask you which one you saw. Okay, Who's the bad guy in the story? It's who? Pharaoh. And guess what his name begins with? Begins with the letter P. And Egypt's enslavement of the Jewish people begins with the Hebrew word Pen, which begins with the letter P. Lest they grow even more numerous and war breaks out and they join our enemies... So it'd be, their persecution begins with the letter pay. But God used even the persecution. It says the more they enslaved the people and put harsh labor on it. It says the more they multiplied and expanded. And so the word for expanded or it's sometimes translated spread out is in Hebrew. in that verse in Exodus is Yif rotz but it's from the Hebrew word paratz. So the more they put heavy labor on them, the more they persecuted them, Exodus chapter one, the more they broke through and expanded. Friends, the persecution is meant to be the way that God brings the breakthrough in your life the more people put the pressure on you, the more people, the world, the flesh, and the enemy comes against you, the more attack you experience, don't worry. Just like it was for Egypt, just like it was for Israel in the days of Egypt, God's going to turn all those things for your good and bring the breakthrough because the more you try and break through, the more the enemy wants to try and break you. And we live in a world that's breaking down But God wants us not to be broken down. God wants us to break through. So your breakthrough can either make you or can break you. It all depends how you respond. Do you respond out of fear and jealousy? How do you respond to the people that try and break you down? And I think part of what we need to understand is that when God told me that I was going to go through this season of Joseph, through this season of stripping, and it was like stripping of one things after another, what I had to learn is that God has a promise for our life, but we have to go through the process to get the promise. We like the promise, but often we don't like the process. But if you try and rust the process, you'll short circuit the promise. And so we have to embrace the process because God is more because, listen, we're so focused on 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 the end and God's more focused on the means because the means to the ends is what transforms you. We, want, we live in a culture that wants everything fast, everything now. Just give it to me. I want it now. But the reality is, fast food is not good for you exactly because it's fast. You're going to have fast food faith if you want to, God to rush everything in your life. There is a process. And part of that process, part of the stripping part of going through what the children of Israel went through in Egypt that actually caused them to multiply is that God has to break you before he'll give you the breakthrough. It breaks my heart that pretty much every week when I turn on the news or bring up the news in my apps, right, there's a different pastor of a major denomination or influential ministry that has fallen. Yeah. See, I believe part of the reason is that is that there's nothing more dangerous than an unbroken leader. Character, I mean charisma without character leads to chaos. And there were a lot of charismatic leaders in the business world, in the church, in the government that have charisma, but they lack the character and they're bringing chaos into the world because they they don't have the character of the king. See, don't ever trust the leader that doesn't walk with a limp. God broke Jacob before God could bless Jacob. And all of us need to go through that season of breaking, of humility, of stripping, because it gives us a heart of compassion. It gives us a dependence upon God. Because let me tell you what, if you're not broken, it's, I had this dream, this God dream. And in this dream, I was at a Hollywood premiere. And all of a sudden, the floodlights of the premiere the big floodlights were placed on me as I was walking the the runway, the red carpet, right? And I said, take the lights off me. I can't see. And God spoke to me. He said, Jason, if you ever try and take my light and put it upon yourself, you will be blinded. But as long as you remain small in your own sight, you'll remain significant in my own. When people get on the platform, when people get the promotion, when they get in the light and the light puts upon them, instead of shining it back where it belongs, they bask in the light and take the light for themselves. And when you take the light for yourselves, it blinds you. Because fame and fortune success is a magnifier. It will magnify the best in you as far as your gifts and talents and it will magnify the worst that is in you. And if you don't have the brokenness and the intimacy with God and the maturity with God, your success will not make you, it will break you and it will destroy you. Look at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. (laughs) Spectacle for the world. So God breaks us. Moses comes to bring breakthrough, but before things get better for the children of Israel, it gets worse. God says, okay, now you you think you're getting out of here? Now you're going to make bricks without straw. And the people almost walk away from God because of the heavy burden they're under. It says describes it as a shortness of breath. But what I want you to know today is that God will use your trials and afflictions to lead you to breakthrough multiplication. Say, my experience will not break me, but will lead to my breakthrough. And we need to understand that this decade of breakthrough, of overflow, that the exodus of Israel's redemption from Egypt, all is connected to the letter pay. When Jesus celebrated the last supper, it was actually a what? Who knows? Passover Seder. The redemption from Egypt is called the what? Passover. Well, guess what letter that begins with? The letter pay. So redemption pay, Passover pay, redeemed from Pharaoh, his name begins with the pay pay. The number 80, which is the numerical value of pay, is the numerical value of the phrase Adonai Goalacha, the Lord, your Redeemer. Isaiah 44, 24 equals 80. It's God as Redeemer, the letter pay, the number 80. And friends, I want to encourage you, this is the decade to come out of Egypt, to break out of Egypt. What you need to understand is that Egypt in Hebrew is Mitzrayim. Say Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim literally in Hebrew comes from the word sar, which means a tight or confined place. So Egypt are the places and the spaces in your life that want to box you in, that want to confine you, that want to restrict you, that want to limit you. It's those people, individuals, situations and circumstances, and oftentimes even yourself, right, that, that, that try and put you in a box. Kind of like a plant. If a plant grows too much and you don't put it into a bigger pot, it what it dies. Egypt would have died in Egypt because God was multiplying them. They had outgrown that place. Egypt was the place of confinement and restriction. Listen, that's not bad because coming out of Egypt is actually a picture of God birthing the people. Egypt is a confined place, it's the womb. God breaking the water, God parting the Red Sea, it's like the woman's water breaking. God bringing people through the, Israel through the Red Sea, it's Israel going to the birthing canal. And when they come out the other side, they are born again from a slave family to a free nation called of God. This is the background to John 3, born again, by the way. Yeshua, Jesus, Nicodemus, you're a teacher in Israel, you don't understand these things. Happens in the context of Passover, right? John, John 2 is Passover, right? So God wants to birth things. And yes, the confinement, the restrictions, all this. But ultimately, the land of Israel is called as a broad and spacious land. It's the opposite of Egypt. So yes, there's periods of confinement and restriction. But God doesn't want you to be limited. He wants you to birth forth. He wants you to expand. Don't allow yourself to be kept in a box. So I want you to declare this to me. I won't be boxed in. I I will not remain in Egypt. I I am coming out of Egypt. Egypt. Turn to someone and say, you're coming out of Egypt. Egypt. Say, you're coming out of the box. (laughs) But of course there's more. So listen, the, the... Redemption from Egypt is the paradigm of breakthrough for all of us forever, right? It's, these things were written for us. So, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and say those famous words. What are they? <laughs> Guys, you're not going anywhere. Let me hear you. Let my people know. Good. So, listen, how old was Moses? Were my Bible scholars? How old? Okay, so listen. God comes to Moses, 80 years old, which is the numerical value of the letter pay. And he tells Moses, go speak to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, God, uh, I'm heavy of speech and I'm slow of tongue. Uh, Send someone else, like maybe Aaron could go. He's kind of articulate. Well, guess, he says, my pay, he literally says, Moses, my pay is no good. So at 80 years old, God tells Moses to use his pay, which equals literally is the letter, the word that equals 80. That's how you say 80 Hebrews, pay, right? And Moses, is like, no, I don't want to go to Pharaoh whose name begins with the letter pay, and send someone else to bring redemption who begins with which begins with the letter pay. You see a connection here? Right? And God says to Moses, listen, you know what you need to do in all this? He tells him, take off your shoes. You're standing on what? Okay. So the Hebrew word for shoes is na'alayim, okay? The word for shoes in Hebrew is the same word for lock, like the lock on a chest or a lock on the door. So part of what God is telling him to do when he says take off his shoes, he's saying, Moses, your fears and your insecurities are locking you out of your calling and your destiny. You need to unlock your potential. Just like I'm calling you to strip off your shoes, you need to strip off all the stuff from the old season that is preventing you from stepping into the new because you can't step into the new if you're holding on to the old. See, there always has to be displacement before there's replacement. You know, I, 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 you know, so I'm, 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 I have this dream. I'm talking about dreams that I don't have a ton of dreams, but I have this dream. And in this dream, God tells me to clean out my closet. And I like, don't want to clean out my closet because I, I, because all these clothes in there, they're all connected to special moments in my life. And God says to me, Jason, I want to give you the upgrade in your wardrobe. Those old clothes represents your old way of thinking and being and living. Until you strip off the old clothes and clean out your closet, I can't fill it with what I have for you in this new season. See, we're trying to wear the old things that no longer look good on us. Those bell-bottoms, they got to go. I didn't didn't have bell-bottoms. I had... I was in Miami Vice years as a teenager. With the for my bar mitzvah, I had the white shirt with the push-up sleeve and the skinny leather tie and the white pants with the white capizios. And God's like, that stuff's got to (laughs) go. It doesn't fit you anymore on a lot of levels, (laughs) friends there's some things you've been trying to wear that don't fit you anymore. There's been some shoes that you've been trying to put back on that aren't your sighters anymore. Shoes in the Bible represent destiny and mission. Blessed are the feet of him who bring good news. You're trying to walk in that old way and that old thing and God's saying, look, I've got something new for you to put on. Stop going back to the old when I got something new for you. And the reality is what God was saying to Moses with the pay and the number 80 and the shoes coming off is that before there is an external breakthrough in our situation and circumstances, there has to be an internal breakthrough. There's ways of thinking and ways of being that God has to change in us if he's going to take us to where he wants us to go. Moses, take off those things that are creating the barrier. Because obviously, shoes, we wear shoes because our feet are the most sensitive part of our body. And we don't want to feel pain in our feet. And God says, take off the shoes because they represent a barrier. The reason why, again, it's take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground, is that the shoes created a barrier between Moses encountering the holiness of the place where God was residing. Moses, take off the barriers, remove the barriers. And all of us have them. And God wants to remove them. And it's symbolic of that process of taking off your shoes. And with this coming out of Egypt, right, God used his mouth to speak the world into existence. Moses had to use his mouth to bring Israel out of Egypt this, this decade of the decade of the pay, this is the decade of the mouth. Friends, it pays to have a big pay in this decade. For all my big mouth friends out there, it pays, right? It's your time to shine. And it reminds me of Psalm, and this is connected in Psalm 81.10. I ani Adonai Elohecha. I am the Lord your God who elevated you out of the land of Egypt God says he wants to elevate you out of the places of confinement and restriction I am the Lord your God who elevated you out of the land of Egypt then what's the next verse open wide your what? Yeah. mouth that I might what? Yeah. fill it God has to take you out so that he can cause you to open up to receive the fullness of what he wants to put in you. Open wide your mouth. Listen, if you want more of God, if you want to taste and see the goodness of God, you taste through your mouth. You, that mean, listen, the, you could, if you want more of God, you got to have a bigger mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but what I mean by that is, listen, if you want more in, that means you have to stretch your jaw. There's a stretching that is required to receive the more. This is a verse we need to proclaim. Open wide your mouth. Oh, Lord, I'm opening up my wide my mouth. Fill it. But understanding the significance of the mouth and the breakthrough of the season that we're in. And I know you get it because you, you did it during your offering, right? Because here's the thing. There's power in the pay, There's power in your mouth. There's power in your voice. There's power in your words. To understand this, we have to understand the last decade that we're in. The last decade was the decade of the 70s. The Hebrew letter that represents 70 is the letter Ayan. Say Ayan. Ayan literally means the eye in Hebrew. So the decade of the 70, the Hebrew letter means the eye. The decade of the 80 means the mouth. Well, the eyes and the mouth are connected. On many different levels, usually we speak based on what we see, right? Eyewitness testimony is based on you have to have seen it. But here's the problem. Eye faith, the faith of the decade of the 70s, is foundational but pay faith is greater. Mouth faith is greater than eye faith. I want you to think about it for a moment. In the very beginning, the world was tovavo, formless and void. Hoshek, darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, vayhior. or. God's mouth spoke and he said, Let there be. And then it says, God. Vayar Elohim, and God saw the light was what? See, what do we learn from that? Pay faith is creation faith. God had to speak it before he saw it. Speaking in the creation account preceded the seeing in the creation account. In the same way, you have to learn to speak it before you will ever learn to see it. This is the power of the prophetic declaration. This is the power of proclaiming the promise. This is the authority that we have. As many as believed he's given the authority, John 1, to become the children of God. This is what Paul writes. He says, we call things that what? Are not. are not as if they what? So pay faith has the faith to believe not for what is, but has the faith to believe for what will be or could be based upon what the word says, on what God promises says, what he's spoken over our life, but it takes great faith and a pioneering spirit to believe for what you can't see. Or to believe in light of what you do see that tells you completely the opposite. This is the problem, right? So Israel comes at it, but they don't learn the lesson. Because then God brings them out of Egypt. Okay, guys, guess what? Time to go in and take the land. So like, hey, we got a great idea. Like, let's be really practical. And let's, we need a strategic plan, right? Because you all know you need a strategic plan. So let's have a strategic plan. And let's send 12 spies into the land. And they're going to tell us like everything we need to know. So we'll come up with a really great strategy to help God out. Now I'm for planning and strategy, but here's the problem. They go into the land, and what does it say is, their eyes saw giants. And what they saw put the fear in their heart, and what they saw took precedent over what God's mouth spoke to them. They put their eyes above their mouth. We can't go in. there's giants in the land the land is fruitful it's good it's amazing but friends whenever you insert your big butts into what God's gonna do you're gonna have a problem you gotta move your big butts God doesn't like your butts every butt is smelly in God's sight am I allowed to say that Stop it with the butts. Moses had an excuse. The ten had an excuse. Joshua and Caleb were like, listen, it doesn't matter what we see, it matters what God says, and He says we can do it. Yeah. So don't, when the world says it's impossible, nothing is impossible with Him but that's how most people will die short of the promised land, short of the fullness of their inheritance out of fear. They'll believe the crowd instead of the king. You know, I was in Israel a couple weeks ago filming for a new TV series um, and... I was so nervous because it's the first like big production. We've done things before, but this is the biggest production we've done. There was sturdy film crew there and a lot of money that had been invested. And I was really nervous. I'm like, I don't want to suck. <laughs> and I was struggling with some fear and anxiety. Be honest with you, right? And again, God gives me this dream. And He says to me, I've prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And I said to God, Who is my enemy? Well, God says, It says enemies, plural. I said, Who are my enemies? that you want to prepare this table in front of them. And he said, Jason, it's you. And I realized that we have external enemies, the haters. Right? Joseph had his brothers. They're always going to be haters. Ooh, that's my son. (laughs) But I realized that they're internal enemies that I was fighting because of my fear. i prepared a table in the presence of your enemies and I will cause your cup to overflow. God wants you to live, part of the breakthrough is the overflow. God wants you to experience the overflow in your life. God wants you to experience physical overflow at the center of the word for healing in hebrew rafa i'm not going to get into it a lot but is a letter pay the hebrew word for breakthrough and for mouth because we have to speak and pray and declare the healing and stand upon it and pray to god to be our healer first and foremost our healing comes from him he is the great physician he wants to bring healing in our life he wants to bring wholeness that's part of the breakthrough and the overflow that he wants to bring we're in the year 5782 782 is a numerical value of the last phrase of the ironic benediction the lord bless you and keep you and the last face. may he cause his chase to shine upon you and give you peace and hebrew via shalom may he give you peace equals 782 as in 5782 So part of the breakthrough is God wants to bring healing, that healing is connected to peace. People are living in fear, the economy, inflation, all this sort of stuff. Yeshua, Jesus makes a promise. He says, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you, but not as the world gives. He gives us a shalom that's different from the world. That shalom is key to the breakthrough because it's really maybe the greatest blessing of the breakthrough and overflow he wants to bring because the word shalom comes from the Hebrew word shlemut, which means wholeness. God wants to bring wholeness in our life. Spiritual, emotional, relational, physical wholeness in our life. You can be whole in Him. He wants us to overflow from this place. And we see miracles of healing, even, we still see them, right? God's still doing them. And part of that breakthrough and overflow, we see it says in Proverbs 3 9 through 12 Honor Adonai, honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first of your entire harvest then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The word for overflow is in Hebrew and that verse is yif which comes from the word paras, which means breakthrough. The same word for breakthrough can mean overflow. When you're breaking through, you're overflowing, you're expanding, you're increasing, you're filling, you're taking the land, you're spreading out. Overflow with new wine. And this connects to John chapter 2. The first miracle Yeshua Jesus does is a turning the water into? But here's the key thing, right? Everyone was freaking out because the wine ran out. His mother, Mary, Hebrew Miriam, says, Listen, guys, whatever he says, do it. Listen, the miracle doesn't happen until everything runs out. That's when God shows up to test faith. In response to his mother, who's not going to take no for an answer, Whatever he says, just do it. There's an expectation. He's going to do something. No is not acceptable. Son, be a good Jewish boy. Do something. We're his children. We can ask him to do something. And did you ever wonder why this is the first miracle Yeshua does? Of all the miracles, John is trying to show him as a greater than Moses. What's the first miracle Moses does? He turns the water into blood. Well, Jesus doesn't come to bring death. Yeshua comes to bring life that we might have it more abundantly. So he turns the water into wine because wine is the symbol of the kingdom. The mountains will drip with sweet wine. He's the greater than Moses. And then he's hanging there on that tree. And there's how many hours of darkness? Three Three hours. Why three hours of darkness? Because just like the first plague, the miracle on Egypt, the ninth plague on Egypt was three days of darkness. He has three hours of darkness. The 10th plague, the death of the firstborn, this is God's firstborn son on that tree dying for you and me. As the Passover Lamb to set us free, but it goes back further. why does he have to die on the cross? Why does there have to be darkness? Because what does God do? God, in the very beginning called forth the light from the midst of the what? Darkness and chaos. to redeem the world and bring about a new creation, he had to go back to the time before there was light, when there was only darkness, when there's only chaos. He's crucified in the chaos, in the darkness, because he's about to birth the light of salvation and new creation in our lives. He's going to overcome the chaos. We don't have to fear the chaos. He is the light that shines in the darkness and it lives in us. And then he dies on a cross. Why? We don't even ask the question, how did sin enter the world? We stole from the tree. So God put back on the tree for you and me to undo what the first man and woman did. His hands are pierced because their hands stole from the tree. His side is pierced because Eve was taken from the side and led him into the temptation. He's making a redemption for Eve. His feet are pierced because the first messianic prophecy is the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Satan's mocking the promises of God. You're going to crush my head. I'm going to nail your feet to the tree and let's see what you're going to do now. But he didn't realize he was not foiling it. He was fulfilling the first messianic prophecy. right? And then he has the crown of thorns on his head. Why the crown of thorns? Because what's the sign of the curse of creation? The ground would produce what? thorns and thistles he's taking the curse of creation on his head to break it and reverse it come on god is so good and we'll close in a minute with this thought but this ties back to moses and egypt because when god appears to moses in a burning what but the hebrew says it's more specific it says it's a burning thorn bush Because thorns are the sign of the curse of creation, exile, suffering, pain. God says, tell Israel, I've always been with them in the fire and in the pain, in the thorns. I've been with them. It declared God was always with them. When Yeshua has the crown of thorns on his head, he's saying, I'm always with you in your pain. I'm not asking you to go through anything that I myself haven't been willing to go through. I am Emmanuel. I am with you always, even in the midst of the most painful moments in your personal history. I'm there with you and I'll bear the thorns with you. And because he's willing to do this, he breaks the curse, but more than breaks the curse, he reconnects heaven and earth by the cross. And because of that, we can experience the abundant life of breakthrough and overflow, physically, spiritually, relationally, and emotionally, in every area of our life, God wants us to experience that overflow, blessing, and prosperity. It declares to you today, He doesn't want you to live out of the lack. He says, Fill the pots to the brim. It's time to live from the overflow, from the place of breakthrough. Declare with me, I'm gonna live, I'm gonna live. Out, of the out of the overflow. I am gonna have my breakthrough. In Yeshua Jesus' name. Listen, I want to invite Miriam up. I don't know if the worship team wants to come up, but I, I, just, wanted, I just want us right now uh, to take a moment, and I just want you to ask God for the breakthrough. I'm going to ask Miriam to sing the Shema song, Hero Israel. As we're thinking, think about those areas of your life that you need to break through, that we're going to make the declarations. I'm going to bless you when we're closed. Just hang in there. No, just go. Just, just sing.
1: Yisrael Israel Adonai. Hero Israel, the Lord of God. The Lord is one, declaring our love and allegiance. Adonai Echad. Shama Israel Adonai. Hero!
0: I want to bless you. We said this season is a decade of peace and shalom is part of the breakthrough. I want to bless you with the high priestly prayer, which is actually the reading this week of scripture for Jewish people all around the world. Let's prepare your hearts to receive a blessing in the shalom of God. Ya er Adonai, panavilecha vikuneko. Yisra Adonai, panavilecho. Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you shalom nothing missing nothing broken in the name of Sar Shalom the Prince of Peace whose name has been proclaimed and placed upon you we declare these things as we worship, as the music plays. I want you to, I want you to, if you want to sit, it's a holy moment. I feel the weightiness of God. If you want to sit or you want to stand, listen, we're going to make some quick declarations. Listen, if you feel trapped in regards to your future, I just want you to declare with me right now, say God bring me through bring me out show me the way make a way when there seems to be no way part the sea for me fill the empty pots give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand the time That I might know what to do. Friends, if there is a relationship, whether it's a marriage or a child that is estranged from you or far from God, just use the power of your pay. Declare their name and just declare they are coming home. They are coming home. God is bringing the prodigal home. He's releasing people from addictions and afflictions. Just declare the freedom that the one whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Just make that declaration over the loved ones in your life that need to come home, that need to return. He's the good Father seeking out on the horizon, looking for His sons and daughters every day to come home. May the Spirit of God draw them. Restore marriages, restoration of marriages, restoration of brothers and sisters, restoration of families, of friendships, of of children coming back to God, of family members coming back to God. This is a decade of healing and a year of wholeness. If you have a physical ailment right now, if you are struggling, make the declaration. Declare the healing over your life, the power of the great physician. Lord, we release your healing redemptive power and wholeness right now in the name of your son we break spirits of affliction and now in the name of your son emotional trauma the Egypts of the past you say don't ever go back to Egypt we're asking for release if there's someone you know that needs release or you need release just now speak the healing Have faith. Call forth things that are not as if they were. I believe God's healing presence is in our midst right now. And if you feel that healing power or presence, just stand up or come forward. Take the step of faith and believe Him to do the good work. <inaudible> you release the confined. <inaudible> that you straighten the bent. Not to be under these things anymore. Hearts, eyes. Cancer, depression, diabetes, back pain, release right now in your son's name. If you're struggling financially, if it seems as if everything's run dry, and your future seems uncertain. God, we are declaring, we're believing you. It is a new day. We say no more lack. We say overflow. We say abundance. We say blessing. We say breakthrough. You provide every one of our needs according to your riches and glory. We declare you are Adonai Yireh, you are Jehovah Jireh. I declare over you, God, like for Abraham, God has a ram in the bush. The provision. The provision for the promise. The enemy tried to delay it so that Isaac would be slaughtered, that the future would die. But God says, no, lift up your eyes, Abraham. There's a ram caught in the thicket. God's got something caught for you. Lift up your eyes. We just thank you for all this, Lord. We're just pressing in now. We're believing in this decade of the mouth. We thank you in advance. Establish your peace, mercy, and goodness, and kindness over us. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua Jesus, the name of above every name, we bless you and say, Amen.